Troops, here we are. It's another Eagle podcast. I've been joined tonight by um, uh, a friend of mine who helped me uh, on the Blend Cafe project, and that's where I first met her. Um, cracking Instagram account, um, really, really inspirational. Always out. Like sometimes I wonder, does she even have a house? Just lives in a tent. Um, it's adventure, Nick. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm. Oh, I'm smashing. Um, I was sort of looking at Instagram account at the weekend, and we'll just go straight into it. Um, you are probably you and Becky. I reckon the queen of the stories. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how how did you get so good at stories? I don't know. I don't know. I just love stories. You know, when Instagram didn't have stories, literally all you could do is write a little comment on or like a post. Right now, it's so interactive. You can do all sorts. You can do polls. You can ask questions. You can get mm-hmm. advice. Like you yep. can encourage people to like have proper interactions because I think people will say more over DM mm. than they necessarily will in public comments sometimes, particularly mm-hmm. if they're new to it. So I think if they've not not very experienced and whatnot, they'll ask you a question yep. and you'll get that kind of engagement, but they wouldn't necessarily ask it on a public post. So I think it's really good for that. Ah, that's interesting. And why do you think why do you think that is because people are afraid to be criticized or asked seem to have asked a silly question? Yeah, I think so. And I think I'd have been the same when I was getting into it as well. Like you just, you don't want to ask a stupid question to, to people who are perhaps more experienced than you kind of thing. Yeah, so. I mean, they, they do say um, there's no such thing as a stupid question, which I always um, sort of say, why do men have nipples? Um, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, sort of, is sort of the DS answer. But um, you take a lot of time, you know, your stories aren't just like, Bosh, out, out, out. Like, you can see there's a lot of thought process goes into them. Sometimes I'm a little bit like, if it makes me chuckle, I put it out there. Do you know what I mean? And like, I don't care if it isn't quite perfect. What do you sort of, how do you build a story in your mind and then before you put it on Instagram? I'm, I'm interested in the process. Yeah, I think I just capture things as I go. I take a lot of photographs, um, yeah. just naturally. I always have done, even before I was even using Instagram. So you capture everything, whether it's a really good view, stunning view, stunning sunrise, sunset, whatever it is. Yeah. But then you also take a picture of those little bits that you come across, like, I don't know, insects doing stupid things. Like, yeah. I've come across, like, sheep that are, like, rubbing the bums up against a post and, like, yeah. it just looks ridiculous. <laughs> you know, you take a little video here, a little picture there of, like, yeah. it's the little things, really, that then you can build, like, the story around. And I think that way people feel like they've kind of come with you and joined you on whatever journey that you've been on kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Where were you at the weekend? For those who um, I was in the I was in the Lake District. I started off on Friday in Grasmere, picked myself up some Grasmere gingerbread. You just got to do that every time you go to Grasmere from the little right. gingerbread shop. Picked that okay. up from their shop and then went up to um, Castle Crag, hopefully for a good sunset. But uh, unfortunately, uh, weather didn't play ball and it started hail hailing quite heavily <laughs> on the Castle Crag. But I got the tent up in time. Nice. Uh, Castle Crag's only a dinky fell. I think it's the smallest Wainwright. So it's only like 300 and some metres. Um, right. So you can get up there fairly easily. Right. Um, camped out, uh, woke up the next day, and then had two days in the fells uh, around, where did we go now? It was the bog fest between High Tove and High Seat, um, up above Derwent Water on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday, it was up round Lord Seat, Broom Fell. Uh, sort of northwest lakes so yeah we've had a really good uh, really good weekend and was some of that on your own and was that some of that with other people yeah so the friday night was uh on my own camping yeah. um camping up there which i like to do every now and then um I've, and in fact some of my best trips have been like northwest highlands middle of nowhere just me uh, me and my tent um wow. yeah i really love that uh that side of things but then the Saturday and the Sunday it was uh joining a group uh joining a group of friends really to to go on those walks so yeah a bit of both it's quite nice to be able to uh, embrace both sort of on that standpoint I've had people say to me before um who sort of starting the mountain leader process it's it's a part of the process where you have to get so many wild camps um and I think what puts people and I don't want to say it puts them off but it's definitely something that it's sort of like, oh, I've got to go and do that. Um, while camping on your own, um, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, I've while camped on my own. And there's been times where I've woke up at like two or three in the morning and gone, 
it was that it was that outside my tent. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's probably a sheep. Like more often than not, if you're in England, it's a sheep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, on that, how how did you? Where was your first wild camp, and and why? You know, you you've taken really well to having you. You love a wild camp. Yeah, my first ever wild camp was actually on an island in the middle of Ullswater. Um, oh wow! Me and a friend actually kayaked out there and, and did it, but it was before I'd ever done any camping. So, so they were introduced me to, to wild camping essentially in one of the most dramatic ways, which was like wow. wild camping in a really unique location. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that just like from then it just took off for me. I was like buying my own tent then. Uh, it was really cheap tent off Amazon. Yeah. It was less than less than hundred pound, um, and just got enough uh, kit together to to be able to start to start doing it myself in in summer um in good weather really yeah and then it's just it's just gone on from there um for me so that was my first ever wild camp my first ever That's solo amazing. wild camp was up in uh northwest scotland uh, oh, wow. uh locker sint whereas the good thing about that was i could stay fairly low level on my own um but in the middle of nowhere so without the kind of more dangerous aspect of having to go up in a, a steep ascent with a big bag, mm-hmm. bag or whatever. So stayed fairly low, but then it's legal as well in Scotland. Um, so then you, you think I haven't got the issues of farmers wanting to move me on and things like yeah. that. Whereas wild camping in the lakes, I always go really high and pretty much almost, almost wholly uh, summit camping above the highest wall or boundary. So Yeah, that's... Um... I feel like a lot of people make a big deal of this. Like, for one, who like I I don't know anyone that's ever been moved on, um, and who's out who's out trying to police it? The wild camping police just roaming around <laughs> at midnight, <laughs> roaming around at midnight looking for tents. I'm like, who's there's no resources to police the UK. So where's the money coming from to move? people who are yeah. just camping on mountains on I think you've just got to be sensible and yeah. you've just got to promote the whole like arrive late leave, leave, no, early, tra- leave yeah. no trace all that you know as long as you seem to be doing that I'm sure it's absolutely fine anyway but yeah it's just that in Scotland you get just that added you just sleep a bit easier knowing that you you're, you're not going to get moved on but isn't yeah. isn't that part of it though Nick isn't that part of the old well, experience yeah, it is a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true I have this weird irrational fear that I always get and I don't tend to get it as much with wild camping but I get it every single time with bothies Um, and for anybody who doesn't know bothies like these primitive structures generally in Scotland but they are all over the country as well Primitive? It just tends to be a bench in there sometimes there's a fireplace and stuff like that but yeah you kind of go and then I have this fear that I'm going to meet like a real like horrible person in a bothie you know like a young like I don't know like getting drunk and like yeah. trashing the place and stuff like that. So like, just this fear where I open the door and like, what am I going to find when I look in? And yeah. I've never met a bad person in a bothy. I only ever met like lovely outdoorsy, really open, like I, I, lovely people. I think we're boffies. Um, the last one I stayed at, but uh, I I nicknamed it my nana's shed um, because <laughs> it was absolutely barbaric. Um, it was up in Galloway, and it's sort of mm, what three or four k's off sort of the main road, uh, and it sort of does get used for like drinking and stuff. But we stayed there at like the start of December, and it was just barbaric. Do you know what I mean? It was just absolutely barbaric, and and there was four of us in there, and we had a like we had a right laugh because the thing is with a the boffy, there's nothing else to do but <laughs> to talk. Like, I've yeah. never been to one where you get a Wi-Fi signal, so you, your phone's no. gone. Um, so it forces you and the guys to, like, have a laugh. Oh, what are you eating? What's that roll mat? Oh, yeah, what sort of pill is that? What sleeping bag you've got? And you actually learn a lot about other people's sort of kit. Um, yeah. It's They're very social, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, very. So, I mean, the last one I stayed in was actually in Wales, um, in the Aranigs. And it was the tiniest bothies. I only had room for two to three people, really. And me and my partner, wow. James, got there, um, yeah. and it was just us two. And it, it, like you say, in middle of December, I think it was like week before Christmas or something like that. Yeah. So a time that we thought were guaranteed to be quiet. And sodlo, somebody comes in, and then you think, oh, here we go. <sighs> like, what, what are they going to be like? And this guy came in. And you know when you're a bit dazzled, he had his eyes used to the darkness outside. You're very comfortable. They come in, and they're a bit shocked, and they don't know what's going on. 
you know, we welcomed him in, sat down, got talking to him. Turned out is the biggest bothy bagger you've you've ever. Oh really? Met. So he stepped, slept in hundreds of bothies all over the country. Um, ticking him off as he goes it turns out this oh, one's nice. like his local one so it was only like half an hour from him but yeah alan is called and he was just, he was just really oh, really interesting cracking. guy is like he, talking um, about all the different bothies you could go to and is he on instagram as the boffy bagger by any chance no i don't know he's not he's oh he should be mountain <laughs> yeah. star one i think he is on instagram oh, right. but yeah no he's, a, he's a really 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 interesting guy and yeah. you know, gave me lots of tips for bothies to go to but then it was funny because when I was Monroe bagging, yeah. we only ever went to Bothies which were en route to Monroe's or near Monroe's because otherwise it yeah. made no sense to putting in the extra miles just to get to a Bothy if you yeah. could camp or whatever. Um, so we stayed in, I think it was 11 Scottish Bothies during the summer. Nice. Um, but you, you could get anybody in there. So some people, they're breaking it up on a long distance trail. Mm. Some people are there to Monroe bag. And some, for some people, the Bothy is the destination. So I mm. never carry like alcohol. I don't even carry wood for the fire. I yeah. just have warm, warm kit because I can't justify that extra weight because nine times out of 10, I'm walking another 20K the next day or whatever. Um, other people come and they bring alcohol, they bring mm. food, like cook food, proper meals yeah, yeah. and things for the bothy. So that's why I quite like that diversity element. You'll see all kinds of people there with different goals. Yeah. I think the only one I've been to like that is Dubs Boffy because it's so close to the road and it, it's like, it's, well, saying that, I have found it in bad weather and it, it isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, to be fair. So, but there is an element on a nice night from Honister to there, you know, probably a lot of people could find that without sort of too much trouble. Um, mm -hmm. Sort of more than remote, remote Boffy. I don't think I've ever been to a truly, truly remote Boffy. Um, I hear some of them are pretty good. Like, the one in dubs I've used the fire before. Um, that was nice. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it is, you know, they're not, they're not five star, you know, you, you know, they're not an Airbnb, but if you've had a long day in the mountains and you're tired and you can't be asked putting your tent up and you see a boffy, it's like, mm. thank God for that. Um, yeah, exactly. What, what would be your top three boffy tips? <laughs> but no, oh, we'll, 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 I'll rephrase that. Boffy, uh, etiquette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So big, biggest bothy etiquette is to never turn anyone away. So like somebody knocks on the door, whatever time of night. I mean, I've had people like turn up at like one o'clock in the morning when I've been like asleep from 11 o'clock, you know, and it's like always open the door, always let everybody in. Yeah. Like the biggest, my biggest bugbear I think in bothies is seeing like, I don't know, porridge sachet or something oh. that somebody's left and it's full and it's like, so it's food and they mean well. But, like, that's just mouse food, you know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. going to gnaw right through it. They're going to make a mess. They're going to, like, defecate everywhere. It's just not good, you know? Like, so things like that, like, seriously, take away what you bring with you, whether yes. it's eaten, drunk or not. Just, you know, just keep it as clean as possible, you know? I mean, leave things like wood, you know, candles. They're all yeah. right. And, or yeah. matches or something like somebody, something that somebody's going to find useful, but never food. Um and stuff like that but yeah it's just just be open to like uh, the people you might meet and just ask them lots of questions because everybody's got a story nobody's using boffies who it was like a couch potato who just sits no. at home every every night watching love island you know it's like <laughs> you're gonna meet like really interesting folks to like tap into what they know you know no no i'll tell you what nick you onto something there love island bo boffy edition now we're talking um <laughs> 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 that would be interesting. That'd work really well, wouldn't it? <laughs> My, Camera minus, your buffet. <laughs> yeah, minus, minus twenty. Wind is out. <laughs> so, freezing. Um, yeah. uh, the funniest thing I've ever found in a buffet, and it was like super random. I found a dinghy. You know, like an inflatable dinghy oh, yeah. to take down yeah. the beach, like a fully inflated dinghy. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> what? What is going on in here? And then these two like yeah. random, these two random guys turned up, and I was like, "Is this your dinghy?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Like there was a a, um, a, a lake nearby, and I was like, mm -hmm. "He's like, yeah, we brought it flat pack, and then we've been, we've been on the lake today." And I was like, "All oh, right." I was like, "How are you getting it down?" Like he's like, "Oh, we're just going to burst it and take it back down." I was like, "All oh, right, cool." And um, just you know, you just walk in the buffy. Like if you said, if you open the door to the buffy, and you said. What you're going to find, no one yeah. ever is saying. You'd never were going to guess that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're never going to. You're never going to say dinghy, two two paddles. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
but yeah, they are, they are pretty random. Um, the worst place I've ever stayed, and, and this is even speaking from my time in Afghanistan, is uh, the Priest Hall, which is the most overrated, um, mm. absolute. And let's talk about the word cave. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not really a cave. Um, not really. It doesn't go back very deep, does it? It's only a couple <sighs> of metres deep, really. Have, have you had the pleasure? Um, I've never stayed in there, but I've got a funny story about this because that I went the first time I went, I used it as a shelter for lunch. Right. Um, so we were up on the up on the fell, and somebody said, "Oh, it's chucking it down with rain." And instead of just sitting and having a soggy sandwich on the fell side, we're like, let's just nip down to Priest Hall. So we did. Found it straight away. No issue. Yeah. There weren't any rubbish either. It were quite it were quite clean. So actually, met up some other Instagrammers who were actually in the in oh, the nice. fell <laughs> just by chance. Um, all had a sandwich in the dry, took a few nice. photos and off we went, but it was like middle of the day. So me and James, my boyfriend, we said, oh, let's, let's go and bivy in the priest hall another, another time. So <laughs> this comes round and this time we go from Brothers Water from the bottom from the pub. Yeah. Um, starts walking up, lose the light, uh, starting to lose the light a little bit. But we were like, we've both been there before. So it was like, we're going to find it fine. Could yeah. we heckers like find it? We must have been looking, it were hours, it were like three hours or something. And if you'd have looked at the GPS track on the thing, it would have just been like a big, like fuzzy mess, like that hey. Mr. Man, Mr. Messy or whatever. Yeah, it's all yeah. Like a string. We, we looked everywhere, but we could not find it. We must have been just below it, just above it, just to the left, just to the right. So we ended up viving on a random patch of grass outside. Ah. But luckily, <laughs> luckily, it was fairly dry. It did drizzle a little bit, but it was okay. So I couldn't even find it the second time. Yeah. That night, like we did exactly the same thing. Me and my mate Chris Waldron, um, top boys, said, "Oh, come on, we'll have a we'll have a meal in the pub, and then we'll make it a bit more spicier. We'll go out at sort of February in complete pitch black, and we'll ace it." And same again, we you know we 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 got in, but we got in, you know, it, it took us a long time to find it. Um, in sort of yeah. tre- treacherous conditions. At one point, we ice axe and crampons. Um. And it took some finding and then we got there and I was like, wow, I've never been so disappointed in my entire life. I was like, <laughs> it's took hours to find and it's gash. <laughs> I was like, yeah. But saying that, he took a photo the next day, which was just unbelievable. And I'm like, oh, well, it's it's worth it. Worth that. it, yeah. It's worth it for that um, thing alone. But actually, um, sort of, it is a really dangerous place. Like that mm. at night, because a guy died there didn't he he fell out of the mm, priest hall and, yeah. and fell to his death um so if you're going to go and find it um go in the daytime first um and yeah fa- yeah find but it. then even if you go in the daytime first that don't guarantee you're gonna yeah, find no. it as, as I've no, true. But no, yeah, yeah i think yeah it's just one of those things that you have to be experienced enough to know where you are and to be able to navigate properly you know and to and you might yeah. not find it but then you've just got to have a plan b and a well it's you've just been able to be the Outdoors, it, it, you know. exactly um and that's an adventure well, worst case scenario go down to the car you know at yeah day, if, it, if it's that dangerous if it, if it had been you know absolutely chucking it down and whatever just it would have been a miserable you. night i might have just given given up you know but um but i did oh i dogged i was like at one o'clock in the morning before i give up like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what makes it an adventure and that's why i'm so anti this word walk because a walk is something like very, very straightforward. Like you walk to the shop or you walk around Asda, but actually trying to find the priest hall or have an adventure in the lake, like literally you're in the land of the God, like anything could happen to you. And, you know, it it does, sometimes it does really feel like you're right on the very, very limit of your capabilities. And I love it. Like that's what makes it an adventure. Um, So that's why I try and base people and say, stop saying walk because it's a shit word. Um, <laughs> getting an you, do, you never, you, you never yeah. know what the mountain is going to throw at you, and it could come through weather, yeah. or it could be a trip and a fall and bad terrain and things yeah. like that. But you just never know, do you? So it's like, but the more you get out there, you more, the more you see and the more experience you get. No, um, absolutely. And one thing that obviously I want to touch on, um, Instagram, social media. I believe in the last, and I've only been doing it maybe two years, um, mm-hmm. but. It's changing rambling. It's almost rebranding rambling and hiking um, mm-hmm. from something which was seen as a bit boring and a bit sort of old, like oldie worldy, you know, socks over your trousers and all that sort of like wooden stick. And, you know, there's people making it look like 
bonkers. And yeah, what what's your take on it? Um, on the on the social media side to hiking and, yeah, and you know, I mean, outdoors. I'd got into social media around the same time I got into hiking. So oh, I've well. only been I've only been hiking and and wild camping and everything for about three years. Uh, I've always enjoyed being outside. Like done, I'd always done running outside, yeah, yeah. Fit and walked around reservoirs, like in nice peat districts and things like that. But I'd never done anything that would be I'd consider to be taxing or mm-hmm. true, you know, proper mountainous exercise. Um, but yeah, it's it's a funny one, really. I use Instagram to kind of document pretty much everything, so I'm quite open. Like you say, with my stories, yeah. they're yeah, quite yeah. long and quite, you know, they, I show lots of aspects of things. And I think when I'm in the middle of a challenge, like a peat bagging challenge, people are seeing all sides. So they're seeing yeah. the gritty, gritty stuff as much as the beautiful stuff. But there's no doubt about it. Everybody likes to put those photos in the feed where it's them stood with the back to the camera, beautiful view, you know, because it, cause it makes you want to be there. It makes you want to stand in that location. And I think it's, it's good for that because it kind of inspires you to then like, oh, I'm going to add that to the bucket list. And then the bucket list just gets longer and longer. Um, and you, you're putting content on and then people are seeing your content and you can see people are doing what you're doing but you're doing the same with them you know you're mm. looking at what they're doing and, and trying to replicate um and it has just like snowballed and taken over now and there's 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 hundreds and thousands of people um doing it and the and they're documenting it through instagram and getting a lot of support meeting other people and getting a lot of ideas for for new things so in a way a rebranding of it is kind of about right what you've what you've yeah. said but I don't think it's limited as well to like the younger generation. I mean, I'm like 35 and but yeah. people I've been out with have been up to into the, well, I went out with a guy, one of the guys came this weekend, 67. Oh, right. um, so I don't think it's limited to, you know, I've got friends who are in the 60s using Instagram mm. um, and, and of all ages, to be fair. But definitely more young people are doing it, for sure. Absolutely. And in a way, I'm jealous because they're finding it hmm. so much younger than I was. You know what I mean? Like when... When I see guys come out with me, friends, and they're in the, like in the twenties and stuff, as they've come on Instagram meets and we've got together, I've, I'm so happy for them that they found this love now when they're when they're so young. Because I feel like I've wasted potentially like to, over ten years of my twenties when I could have been doing this and I and I wasn't, you know. Yeah, I, I wish I wish I found it sort of mid-25, like 25 would have been perfect because I was kind of done with drinking at 25. I just, it took me another five years to really realise that. Um, yeah. And if I'd, have, if I'd have found it, you know, it would, have been, it would have been perfect. And I've actually found a lot of stuff local to me, which has always obviously been here, but I was just never looking. And then the moment mm. I started looking for it, like literally I can walk out my house and if I wanted to, I could hike to Lincoln from where I live mm. in the northeast by using yeah. long distance trails. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's always been here and, it, and there's always an adventure on your doorstep. You don't have to always go Scotland lakes, North Wales, South Wales, you know, there's, there's stuff locally where you think, Oh wow, that's interesting. There's always, there's always something. Um, yeah, sure. No, it, it, it is having a good pull. And I'll tell you one, I'll tell you the next platform. TikTok will be the next platform to really smash um, the outdoor community because there's a guy on there at the moment um, who's who's really really embraced TikTok like from an outdoor point of view and he's up in Scotland at the moment and he's using drone footage and and the sort of clever editing that TikTok allows you to do and he's absolutely killing it like it's, oh, it's interesting it's I've never been I've never used that before TikTok no never have it's the wild west Nick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, TikTok is where Instagram was um, 2015, 2014, where it allows so much organic reach, it's unbelievable. Um, I had a nine-second video, and it got seen 45,000 times. Um, wow. Just goes mental. Once it, gets, once it gets traction, it's gone. The only thing mm. I would say about it is, it, like I said, it's the Wild West. Um, I don't know if there is any, any guidelines on there, there's some videos I'm like, wow, how is that even being posted? Um, mm. But it'll figure itself out. But it's definitely a platform that allows really creative people to just go, go for mm. it. Um, and even even average and rubbish accounts are getting like millions of views on on videos. Um, it's it's definitely something to look into. Um, 
but you will get hounded by loads of people asking to see your feet. Don't ask me why. That's just how they roll. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It's just full of oh, I'm just... signing up. I'm signing up now. Oh, okay. get, get, get it, get it downloaded. Sold. Yeah. Um, one thing you sort of, well, one of the things you've done, you've done many things. Um, your Monroe's adventure, 2019, last year. Um, I, I had it down as you did him in six months, just under six months. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. Oh, just over six months, I think. Right. Yeah. Started in April, finished in October. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about talk about the adventure that is a, is Monroe's and before you do that some people might not know what Monroe's are so if you want to yeah, fill in the so, blanks yeah no problem so, so Hugh Monroe was like a, a, a mountaineer a Scottish mountaineer he yeah. kind of pick, picked these um, or created the list of 3,000 foot uh, summits basically right. uh, mountains in Scotland um, and the list changes uh, every every now and then because mountains get remeasured so one might get oh um, well Dropped out. Demoted. There's, there's ones that have got demoted and ones that have got promoted to Monroe status. So the number changes, not oh, very wow. frequently, but you know it's not changed since I did it. But it will change probably over the next few years again. And uh, so there's 282 of those on the list at the moment. Wow, 282. Um, and they're all over the uh, all over the uh, the country of Scotland, basically. Yeah. So as, as far south as Ben Lomond is the most southerly. Right. Um, Mount Keen over to the uh, east side and the west side you've got all the Sky Monroes um, wow. and Isla Mull um, so there's a, a couple a few there on the on the islands and then in the far north it's Ben Hope is the is the most northerly which is right near the tip of the uh, the country so it's a big big spread of mountains across the across the country really. Now I would say to people with Scotland Scotland probably is the last real remote place in the UK where um, you've got to have your shit together, especially if mm-hmm. you're going for these remote Munros. Um, because not not that I've done any, but sort of followed your progress. It looked like it was taking uh, you know a day and a day and a half just to get into even try mm. and crack the summit. Um, yeah, sometimes that's the case. It's not the case for all of them. There's a few that are, are nearby to a road or you're starting above sea level, but the majority, yeah. I would say, you're starting around sea level and they're a minimum of, of 3,000 feet. So you've got quite a bit of climbing to do. But the the trickier ones like the uh, to get to are definitely the ones that have got like a 15K walk in before you even start to climb wow. anything through a valley or whatnot. Um, and mm. they're just roads that are either... Sometimes they are fairly decent roads, but they're private, so you, there's no parking or anything. You can't, yeah. can't use them, so you can walk up them or cycle. Uh, quite a lot of people will Munro bag with uh, bikes so they can do the cycling and then they can get up and down in a day. Um, I didn't have bike. I rented a bike for probably, I think it was three days uh, in the Cairngorms for a few of the long runs in. Okay. Using the, a nice centre at Braemar where you can rent a bike, but yeah, I didn't have the I didn't have my own bike. I'm not a cyclist really, so I didn't didn't have didn't have that for the majority. But that is a good way of getting the miles in. Um, what? Well, I'll ask this two ways. What was your favourite Monroe, and what was the scariest Monroe? Okay, Could be they the are two, yeah. two different Monroes. Like, yeah. I say that my my favourite, I have to say, is Blarven, right. which is. Um, it is part of the black cooling, but it's it sits aside from the black cooling on Sky. Right. Um, so it's the eleventh uh, Sky Munro. Right. But because it sits apart from the rest of the ridge, you park by a lock and you start yeah. walking up from the car park, following a stream. Really nice, quite picturesque, lovely uh, Scottish scenery. Um, and then you end up in like a, a corrie, which is like an amphitheatre of rock, which is just really like stunning and dramatic. Yeah, but you still haven't got those big mountainous views, so you can see across to the sea. And you can't really see, um, you can't see any of the rest of the cooling ridge. Yeah, and then then it's a nice little cheeky scramble, so it's nice yeah. hands on rock. I always love a bit of that to kind of yeah. break up the monotony of just walking. Lovely cheeky scramble, and then you're up, and then you as you summit at the trig pillar, the whole of the cooling ridge just opens in front oh, of wow. you, right from sort of south to north, from left to right. And we did, did that Monroe on like the most stunning day of wow. beautiful blue sky, excellent visibility. And I just had that feeling in my stomach, you know, that, oh, wow, this is a special moment. 
Um, and I just sat there. It was lovely. It was quite still, but there was no midges. It was just a comfortable place to sit on a summit in a light breeze and yeah. just taking that that awesome view. And I honestly believe it's one of the nicest views in all of Britain. Wow. Um, so that would be, and plus the, it was very easy to do as well because it was only, I think it was about 8K in total. Oh, that okay. That's but to fine. get literally from car to summit is very achievable for, for a lot of people if they're comfortable with that bit of scrambling just to get yeah. on the summit. It's nothing nothing above grade one. It's, it was quite, quite nice. doable. So yeah, so I think that was my favourite purely for, it felt like a rest day <laughs> in, a, <laughs> in a day of, in a day of you know big long days, it was a yeah. it was a nice it was a gimme really, and then yeah, just beautiful beautiful views. Um, and then what was your second question? So that was scariest. The scariest. Or the one that intimidated you the most? Or the, one, the ones that intimidated me, but in the in the end they weren't the the scariest. But the ones that intimidated me in the lead up to it was the rest of the Cooling Ridge on Sky. Cooling they were Ridge, the ones yeah. where you needed to have like a. Um, you needed to do a moderate rock climb uh, in the inaccessible pinnacle, yeah. which is most people's most feared Munro for that reason. Yeah. But we hired a guide because I'm not a rock climber. I've never, never yeah, yeah. really climbed out outdoors at all. Um, so he provided harnesses, helmets, things like that. Yeah. And, he, and the most important thing he provides, obviously, is the guiding service that gets you to the top. Yeah. What was what was his name? Was Adrian Trendall. Right. Uh, he runs the All Things Cooling Facebook page, really all popular right. page, all celebrating everything, uh, everything cooling basically. Um, lovely, a good, great photographer as well, and a, a great guide writer. Um, so yeah, so he took us up and really made me feel at ease. It just made me, just filled me with the confidence, the, the gaps in confidence that I might have had. He filled them with, you know, you can do it. And gave me that bit of extra support when I needed it. Put me on the rope if ever I felt like it was a little bit exposed. Yeah, yeah. And I was a bit, feeling a bit iffy. So yeah, it was just it was just perfect, really. Um, so yeah, I was feared of the inaccessible pinnacle. I mean, even its name, you like. I mean, it doesn't sound like inviting, does it? It sounds like like you're gonna die on yeah. it. But really, it was so enjoyable. You know, like it's like a shark's fin of rock that just yeah. comes up. It's quite stepped. Um, so there's plenty of handholds and footholds and the only dodgy move you were like a meter from the B layer so he was holding the rope yeah, tight yeah and, yeah know, I felt confident enough to do it but just so happened as well the day that we tackled that there was the most amazing cloud inversion so it was like fluffy marshmallow oh, wow. cloud like just a just a less than 50 meters below us Brock Inspector, my first Brock Inspector, you know, the little halo thing. Yeah. Uh, when you when you're on the summit of the Impin, I'm like, I've just we're really, really blessed with the weather for that for that day. It was just fantastic. So in the end, it wasn't the scariest um Monroe, if you know what I mean, because yeah, yeah. The, conditions, the conditions were right, uh, and everything. So I think the point that I had the biggest wob- wobble was probably on one called Larvin, which was like part of uh, the Noidart Peninsula. And it's really just far away uh, from anywhere, really. Right, we okay. did on a, a bothy called Sourleys, which was going to be a massive epic 40-kilometre day um, with about 3,000 metres of ascent okay. over three Monroes and then return back round. So it was like to get to the halfway point was the summit of Larvin, pretty much. Wow. And uh, there, was a, there was one, like, scrambly moment where I just thought, I can't do it. I can't, I can't physically get up there. It was really towards the end of the challenge as well. Um, and James, my partner, had to come down yeah. and just spot me from below. It's just teamwork, really. It's yeah, just yeah, working yeah. together to make sure that you can get through your, and, your hardest moments, you know. And that wasn't the most difficult, you know, yeah. on paper. That yeah, 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 I get it. Mountain. But in my head at the time, feeling weak, feeling like I'd pushed myself so hard. And I just needed that little bit of, you know, of a push at that point. And you spent, obviously... Um your boyfriend, James, um, who's fairly big in the old uh, hiking game, Instagram thing himself. How did it, you know, used to together for that period of time? Um, you're not married, are you? Boyfriend and girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, just boyfriend so and girlfriend, yeah. You're in each other's pockets at quite stressful moments. Did it have like a bit of a ref- effect on yours? I mean, it's a great thing to achieve together, but there must have been times where you're like, if he says that again, I'm going to punch him. <laughs> yeah exactly so like it was so weird because we'd not even lived together before that point so we'd gone from me living in Sheffield in South Yorkshire yeah. him living over in Cumbria 
seeing each other like once every other weekend probably so like having a really like perfect view of like the relationship you know you could just go and like be on your on your best form for like two days a week and then go back to work and so yeah living in each other's pockets was very challenging you know because there was times when times when we had the best time you know when we were like playing like games singing when nobody's around in like high winds and just being silly um having really deep and meaningful conversations as well, which are like, which pass like hours and like, you feel like you're really getting to know someone. Uh, but yeah, that, then there's times when, like, you know, he's not going fast enough. He wants to take his jacket off. He wants to do another costume change and, uh, or I'm too slow on a descent and he wants to run ahead and, you know, and it's just, you, you are going to want to do different things at different times. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, one of you really needs a snack other one really needs the toilet you know whatever you just and you and it is annoying if it's cold or you or it's really hot or whatever and you just want to get finished um what was the i'm interested in the planning process of this like um did you two both sit down together and sort of say let's go and smash all the munros in a really quick in a sort of quick time because um yeah not really it was more james's thing because he's done all the nuttles which are the 400 odd um 2,000 foot mountains yeah. in England and Wales and yeah. he'd done all the Irish ones as well all the Irish right. and Northern Irish ones so for him the Munro's was always going to be the next thing to do um, so for me the choice was do I go uh, along with him mm. or do I uh, l- you know l- let him go away on his own and then me mm. sort of catch up with him when he's back or maybe go and join him for a few but not do the whole thing and so I decided to jump in and, and go for it but then bizarrely because he was so busy with work um I end up doing most of the planning. Well, so I like took a couple of guidebooks, a load of maps and, um, and read a lot of blogs and things online and, and just went about the planning that way. Um, just seeing how many, some are really obvious where you've got like a ridge line, yeah. seven one rows on and you just go in east Smash to west them. and then yeah. hitchhike back or whatever. Um, but others are really quite, there's lots of choice for kind of, do you do that on its own or do you add it to this and you make a really long day and, building a wild camp or whatever you know there's quite a lot of logistics going going mm. on with it but I enjoy that I mean I love sitting there's nothing if the, honestly if I'm not climbing a mountain or wild camping uh-huh. on a mountain I love seeing, sitting in front of a spreadsheet <laughs> <It's Yeah>. like <laughs> a lovely a lovely excel with lots of lots of little color-coded cells and all these stats and everything like that I'm absolutely buzzing off that um I'm quite quite uh. weird <laughs> <laughs> spreadsheets is that from a former life before you uh, yeah run? i think I, I was like a project it project manager before ah, so i've okay. always had to use a lot of like spreadsheets and things but yeah i'm just I, a really organized person so i like to i like to think about things and i, I do like the spontaneity and the things that adventure just throws at you um because there is always random things that just happen regardless how well your planning is like flooded flooding like one time we couldn't get down a road because it was totally flooded and we couldn't even get the car to the start point and you've just got to think on your feet and and just change change up your plans um, oh, but I do well I do enjoy the planning process yeah it's it's a saying that I use a lot when I say it all moves that technically means it all changes um yeah. and it's true you know uh, uh, we, we had a saying in the army um a plan never survives the first contact. So the moment this, you know, you sit there, you make this, that's why I don't really, I mean, I remember I had a guy turn up once, he'd spent hours writing this route card. Like it was the best route card I've ever seen in my life. And he showed <laughs> me it and I, he showed me it. And I just threw it in the bin. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he was like, I spent hours on that. I was like, yeah, no, I can tell, but it's complete, complete waste of your time. I was like, cause we'll just go out with the map. We'll open it. We'll orientate it and we'll go, let's go there. And now let's go there. And I'm like, and let's let's go there. And I was like, it's a good skill to know, but it's a little bit too regimented for what the mountains is. Do you know what I mean? You've got to be uber, uber fluid and you've got to be able to say, yeah. well, I did plan on going up this track. However, things have now yeah. changed and I'm now going this way. But Because yeah. some people, if I've got a group with me and I go off the track, people are, are we lost? No, no, we're just not walking on that track. Do you know what I mean? But because mm. they're so used to following tracks, I don't really 
follow tracks. Do you know what I mean? If I can just go. No, it's, free, it's a good thing to do because the worst thing is they often just lead you nowhere. They're like sheep trods, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, right? You yeah. just think like, where's this sheep going? Wherever that sheep's going is not where, <laughs> where I want to go. It's not where <laughs> I want to go, but it, it's good. And you're right in what you say. You, you know, you come up with all these plans and you plan this and you plan that. And then all of a sudden, the weather just instantly changes and you're like, well, we need a new plan. <laughs> yeah. Or, so, or the weather's like really good and you're like, actually, that looks not far away. Let's yeah. have a quick look at map and see what it's like. You know, how far have we got to drop and how long yeah, have yeah. to get back up the other side and is it craggy and what? You've just got to be able to make those kind of decisions and then, and then yeah, extend or, oh. or reduce your, your day accordingly. On the snap, um, I wanted to sort of quickly touch on kit and equipment. Um, you're a big advocate of a Suntour watch. Um, I think a lot mm-hmm. of people um, know that. Uh, and as well, I always sort of see you wearing um, like hybrid boots, like a sort of crossover between a boot and like a trail shoe. Um, is that just mm-hmm. a personal preference thing? Yeah, I mean, I, I never thought I would be such a shoe person. I always thought I had quite weak ankles and I'd wear like, uh, like boots primarily. Mm. Um, but I've strengthened my, I think my ankles have strengthened through wearing a shoe. And actually I feel better and stronger for it. Um, So yeah, a good shoe with a sort of strong grippy sole. Um, And depending on what you're doing, Gore-Tex, if you're going to be in like wet Mm. grass and things like that, but um, non-Gore-Tex, if you're going to be in a hot climate, walking through, doing river crossings and things like that, sometimes non-Gore-Tex is is better for that and they'll dry out quicker. Any Um, brands you particularly like? Any standout I've, brands for I've you? I've been wearing uh, Salomon shoes, trail shoes primarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I will be using those in the future on uh, long distance trails I'm, I'm planning for, the, for, the, for this year. Um, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I've, I've tried. Uh, what other brands have I tried? I've got some lower boots as well. Mm. They're, they're really, really kind of uh, leather hard wearing but mm. a lot heavier than salomon so salomon do like really lightweight yeah. and I, I think if you want to move fast and light that kind of ethos then salomon and companies like innovate and uh, they're really good for for things like that if you want to go fast and light any uh, any aspirations to do the um spine race which is just sort of finishing now because <laughs> that looks absolutely <laughs> no <dreadful. laughs> it looks torturous it looks absolutely torturous yeah um i'll leave that to the to the trail runners and the fell runners but god i'm really really like in awe of people like yeah. that who can really push themselves to the to the limits but you know i'm i like me sleep you know <laughs> bedding down yeah. for like <laughs> an hour's kip if that oh. like a little rest oh no that's that, no, that's fair enough build up and everything oh god no no, it's uh, it's some uh, an achievement. Have you done much on the Pennine Way? No, no, I haven't. Um, I've done a little bit. Uh, I've done Cross Fell and those yeah, kind of fells yeah. around there, which I think that touches on Pennine Way, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but no, I've not. I've not. Worked yeah, it's, a lot of it. it's a nice. I've done a little bit. It's a nice. It's definitely. Uh, it's got its own beauty, should we say? Um, yeah. Which I think a lot of places, a lot of places has, and I think that that race in particular. I like to follow it every year and I just think I could, I could do with doing a, the thing is with the Pennine way, it, it, it is very much, you've, once you're on it, you've just got to go for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's very hard to put, you know, put, uh, we'll put a loop in and we'll loop back on ourselves. It's almost like, let's do 20 mile, stay over, mm. do another 20 mile. And um, pretty much what, what Becky did last year in her challenge when she, when she did it, did yeah. it that way. So, um, Cool. I think Pennine Way were one of Becky's favorite, uh, sections of the trail. Yeah. yeah. She, she had a lot of, um, Good, good stories coming back yeah, from the walk in that, yeah. It, it, look, it looks, part of it does look stunning. Um, Nick, we're flying through this, mate. I knew we would. We always do. Um, so we're going to move on to the um, to the five watts now. Um, the first one, what's the greatest advice you've ever been given? Oh, greatest advice. So I'd say it's not necessarily advice, but it's a quote that really, that uh, really like resonates with me. So a ship in harbour is safe, but that's not what ships are for. <laughs> I absolutely love that that quote because I'm like it is exactly right, and I think as like human beings, we're exactly the same. It's like what are we built for, really? We're not built for kind of like sitting on a settee and like stuffing his faces, just watching telly all the time. You know what I mean? Or just working, sitting very unnatural, yeah. sitting at a desk like yeah. in that kind of position for like eight hours a day. Um, 
and I think like you could do like anything you want to do, anything you turn your and turn your mind to, but don't always take the safe option. Is my advice. So like I've yep. taken more risks this last sort of two or three years than I ever have in in the whole of my other thirty three years. But like That's... it's been like I've been the happiest person you... that I have, and I have hurt myself. You know, I've mm. I've, I've I've hurt myself like physically um i've been emotionally low but the mm. highs are so high like um and i think that's what i get from challenges and that's why i should sort of advocate people challenging themselves i've not heard that saying before but i'm definitely going to steal it now um but no it's 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 brilliant and you're totally right there's loads of people who who I always, sometimes I, I'll say to people, stop liking the photos and get in the photos. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's all well yeah. and good liking people's photos on Instagram, but at the end of the day, what are you doing this Saturday? What are you doing Sunday? Um, well, what it is like, well, stop telling stories, right? And just, just go and join that group or that hike or that company or whatever you want to do. Just sign up and go and do it. You know? Yes. Yeah. Some people say to me, I'd love to come out with you, John, but you, you, your hikes are too long. I'm just like, well, get fitter then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, get fitter and then come out. Oh, but 20 miles is a long way. Well, 30 and 40 and 50 is even longer. I was like, just just go and work on it and come out. Do you know what I mean? You're missing out on great days and you're telling stories. Like, you, anyone can do it. You just, it it's, it's if it's in there to do it. Do you know what I mean? And, sure, yeah. And and, and and end of the day, I always say to people, it's only 20 miles. Do you know what I mean? A cat doesn't make you pregnant. You know what I mean? No one's ever finished and gone, oh, pregnant now. Like, it's only 20 miles. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You might, have, you might have sore legs and sore feet, but they'll be all right tomorrow. Um, yeah, exactly. There's no long-term long issues. Um, yeah, but there's really long-term memories and fantastic, you know what I mean? Like, it's stuff you talk about with people for years to come, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, second one, mate. Well, this is be a good one for you. What's on your bucket list? Oh, bucket list. So like, I've got some, I really want to get into like long distance walking now. Mm. Um, so I did a bit of trekking in the Alps last year in the uh, Swiss Alps. Mm-hmm. I did part of the Via Alpina and part of the Alpine nice. Passes Trail. I'd love to do those, those like full trails. They'd be like absolutely epic. Um, Tour de Mont Blanc is on the list uh, for this year. Definitely. I'm wanting to take that off for a while. That goes through like France, Italy and Switzerland. Nice. Um, three different countries all around Mont Blanc should be stunning scenery. Um, lots of they, they're just so well set up in the Alps, you know, for like yeah. huts and things like that, serviced huts, non-serviced huts, even like little signage, you know, to to help people. Everything's like they want to encourage people to come, not discourage people, or yeah. it's not like you know what I mean. It just feels really like inclusive of all abilities, and there's a variety yeah. of different trails you could do, and it all just absolutely like mountains on steroids just yeah. absolutely amazing <laughs> but like and then another one is like julian alps so like in slovenia there's a uh, an alpine trail you can do it's about i think it's about 600 kilometers right through the mountain wow. ranges of slovenia and slovenia is like a country i've never been to so that's like something i really want to just jump into and try exploring like a new totally new con- country new culture yeah, yeah. um uh, so yeah, I'm some, that's something I'm looking into at the moment. There's some good Via Ferratas out there as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Some proper spicy Via Ferratas. Um, makes Honesters look like the uh, playground. <laughs> 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 yeah, Honesters the warm up for the, uh, yeah, for the Via Ferratas of the Alps. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, third one, mate. Um, what's been your toughest day? Um, toughest day was part of the Munros. Uh, yeah. Was the one of the biggest days. So it was a 15k trek into the Bothy and then a, an overnight in the Bothy, Sewellys Bothy in Noidar area. And so we got up at, I think it was five o'clock in the morning. And this is October, so it was well before uh, daylight yeah. to get started because we knew it was going to be such a big day. Um, and the plan was to return to the Bothy. Right. So we took a couple of things in the pack that if we didn't make it back, we could survive on the hill. So a bit of extra food, I think like a sleeping bag and a and a mat between us and an emergency yeah. shelter, you know, like do, do a couple of critical yeah, items, yeah. but that's it. Um, and then we set out in the dark and that was just, it, from the off really, navigation was an issue because you've got no lights, so you've just got the torchlight. Um, and we managed to get across uh, like a rocky outcrop down onto a, like a, 
fields which were swampy like they were just like from the first well, this is all within the first hour you had like water up to your sort of calves and it was just oh. I mean, you knew we were gonna have wet feet for like the entire day um then hit like the so that was a sort of uh like cross country a little bit and then you started with the the rise up the hill so it was that was quite a spicy sort of uh, climb up sort of gl- grassy, tufty, rocky terrain to the first Munro. And then it was along the ridges to the next two Munros, um, which was uh, more comfortable because you're sticking to the crest of the ridge. But they're just so far away. They, they look so close, but actually when you get to it, they're actually quite a distance away. And then the way back was kind of to come off the other side, the backside, sort of the north side of the last Munro, and then twist back around to get back to that bothy. And I think we managed to wow. get to the highest point of the pass, which was 600 metres at, at about seven o'clock as the sun was going down, uh, add some dinner. And then it was part of the Cap- Cape Wrath Trail to get back to the to get back to the Bothy. But we had such poor visibility. And by that time, it was raining as well. And, oh, you know, when you just think every part of your body's like screaming to stop. It was like a 40k route with 3000 metres ascent. Oh. And I could just feel like my legs were just there's just not much left and you, you just want to stop but you're like I really want to get back to the Bothy and we just kept going so after dark we had from 7 p.m until Ill, I think it was, was it half past midnight oh, that we got wow. back to the Bothy I was really hoping nobody else was going to be there because it would be quite disturbing for them to have people come in at that time but luckily the Bothy was empty and I took my boots off and my socks and my feet were like dead person's feet like wow. They were white. The skin looked like it was all shriveled, like like it was just gonna. My soles of my feet were just gonna fall off, basically. Oh. <laughs> and it was it was awful. And I honestly thought I don't know how they're gonna recover enough to do the 15k that we had to do to get back to civilization. But miraculously, the next day they were you know woke up and my muscles were all tight and really in a lot of pain with my muscles. But the feet had recovered and they just dried up and sort of it's... overnight. It's, it's amazing, amazing what the human body can do. Yeah, it's the greatest tool we'll ever own. Um, mm. And it's what you do with it. Like, that's that's some serious robustness, that, for you to just keep on soldiering on. And there must have been times when you look, sort of looked at your watch or your map and you've gone, please don't say this 10K. And you're like, yeah. oh, it's 10K to go. I'm fuming. You think, you, you think you've left it enough time before between yeah. checking. You're going to have covered a lot more ground and you're just looking, you think, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's still a minutes to go, but it was just I, a lot of night time. I think in total it were like five and a half hours of like complete darkness trekking, and it's just it's difficult that over wet, boggy, yeah. pathless terrain. It's really quite hard, and so I'm proud of myself for that. But yeah, yeah no, it's like equal. Your yeah, it's film. a beat. It sounds a beast. Do you know what I mean? Um, I I love to psychologically like um get at people. So if they come out with me on a particularly long day. And I and I do it to see you still paying attention, and it's funny. So someone will say to you, "How how far now, John?" And I'll go, "Oh, it's about two point four k's, mate." And then about we leave it half an hour, forty five minutes, and they'll go, "How far now, John?" And I say, uh, "About two point seven k." And they're like, <laughs> "Eh? It was two and a half k's, forty five minutes ago." And like sometimes, cruel man, John. <laughs> But the funny thing is, is sometimes people don't pick up on it. They just go, yeah. all right, all right. Because they're not there. Do you know what I mean? It's irrelevant. And I've even yeah. done it when I knew we were only 500 metres away from the finish. And someone's gone, how far now, John? And I'm like, oh, two and a half K, mate. We're looking about 45 minutes, maybe it's an hour. And they're like, oh. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm like, here's the finish. And they're like, you said, I was like, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, because it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter at end of day. You're not there yet, so just keep going. Is my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you can't see. I can't make it go any quicker. Tor- I do torture myself, like we're looking, and then I'm like, oh, that's about right. So three k. If I walk four k an hour, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Can, I'm doing the maths in my head to try and give myself the time because we're target driven as humans. Like we, that's yeah. what we, that's what we want to do naturally. We, love, um, we, yeah, we do love a, we do we do love a target, don't we? We do love like uh, sometimes the time goes quicker if you just get your head down and just get it done, doesn't it? You know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm renowned for sort of saying when people say what time I think we're finishing, I'll go, ah, be about four, and then someone else in my group will go, be about six. <laughs> 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 and then, but 
I, for me, I just never really, do you know what I mean? I'm like, we're there when we're there. Do you know what I mean? We're, yeah, exactly. It's, we're, we're here now and I can't, I can't get you to the finish any faster. So it's sort of irrelevant. We're going, yeah. at, your, we're going at your pace. If you'd like to go at my pace, it's going to get really, 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 really uncomfortable really, really quickly. Um, yeah. But I'm lucky because my, my partner's a machine. And when we go out together, it just ends up being like an accountability session beyond belief. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's it. It, it. We never do anything. Like, we never do anything slow. It's always like, bloody hell, we've just done 25 Ks in like, you know, four, four hours. But I think we did. Yeah. I think last week we did 22 and a half Ks in like three and a half hours. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's on here, isn't it? So, um, fourth one, mate, what's been your happiest day? Oh, the happiest day at the Munro's, I think, was the second to last day, which was yeah. the penultimate Munro, basically. Yeah. Um, and reaching the top of there, I genuinely felt like I'd finished, if you know what I mean. So I always knew the one, the Munro that we'd saved until last, the 282nd Munro was Ben amazing. Lomond, which is the most southerly, where family and friends could join oh, us. And amazing. it was a bit of a celebration, a you know what I mean? It, we could go up and it'd be like, quite easy going on a path the whole way there you know not, no no trauma at all so the second to last one which was pathless slog middle of nowhere 18k kind of thing was that felt like the real finish if you know what yeah, I mean so that's well, when I that's when I personally celebrated like the end of the challenge and just felt at my happiest that nice. I got that sense of achievement of having yeah um, what a great gone what a through great. that for six months what a great and because I quit I, like quit my job in the April yeah. um so I've basically quit my job on the I worked to notice and everything but my last day at work was a Wednesday my house completed on the Friday and I started climbing Munro's on the Tuesday so I'd wow. just gone from literally sitting at a desk Monday to Friday nine to five every day um in the lead up to all of a sudden climbing mountains full time almost Fair and enough. then uh, yeah it was quite a quite a change I think it's when I got to that to the top of that second to last summit that I thought Oh my God, you've come a long way now. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a real, and I think if you use apps, like I've got like British Hills app where you can watch it all go from like, um, I think it's yellow if you've not climbed it to it turns green. Oh, oh. And to watch the map, like come Disappear. on. Disappear. Yeah. That's all, class. So everything tick off green is like, gives you a lot of sort of, you know, pride and whatnot. Nah, so. it's, that's great. Go on, mate. Um, fifth and final one. What's next? For you as... And then my next big challenge is my uh, Tiaroa challenge, which is like a, a through hike, if you want to use that American kind of term, yeah. long distance hike. Yeah. 3,000 kilometres from the tip of the North Island of New Zealand to the very tip of the South Island of New Zealand. Oh, wow. Um, so it's quite a, a, a gruelling trail. It's quite similar to the UK weather-wise. You kind of do it in our winter, which is their summer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you get a mixed weather. So you have some really wet days, wet, muddy days, and then some really nice warm days in the summer. Um, but yeah, wild camping and, and uh, thrown in and uh, uh, also some huts. They've got like um, maintained huts that they've got along the trail, uh, particularly in the South Island where it's very, very remote. Awesome. Uh, and you go through ranges, lots of river crossings, um, and it's just a beautiful environment to be doing that. So that's when, that's been... When? When do I do it? It's yeah. starting probably November this year. Wow, um, I look forward to seeing that. Fly out in October and start in November. So yeah, so start nice. in the north and finish in the south over about four and a half months, maybe. You could, I mean, depending how, some people run it in like less than 100 days, you know. Um, but now I want to enjoy it. I want to I want to enjoy I want to push myself every day to do decent days. But if I want, if I like a place, I'll have a couple of rest days there. And yeah, there's nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um Brilliant. Nick, look, thanks very much for coming on the show. We have reached the end. Um, ladies and gentlemen, from working a nine to five, um, being in the hustle to smashing Monroe's in a, in a really, really sort of fast time, traveling around the world, doing what she wants to do. Um, it's available for you as well. People listening, you can do what you want to do. We don't have to just live the monotony. Um, there's more to life than Netflix and there's more to life than whinging about a job you hate. Um, you just have to be prepared to suffer. That's the only difference. Um, yep. Nick, where can people find you? Not literally. Uh, on, in, 
<laughs> yeah, no, literally. Yeah. Oh, they, they literally can't find me because I sold my house, didn't I? Yeah. I'm a little bit like, and I'm just in a tent in random places here and there, couch surfing. So yeah, good luck if you can find me. Um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram, adventurer.nick. Uh, my website's adventurernick.com. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, on Have you got any um, speaking or any sort of yeah, you could seminars come coming up? Keswick Mountain Festival, I've got a slot there this year, this Saturday, I think, at four o'clock. Uh, nice. Middle of May. Um, so, yeah, I'll be over there uh, cool. speaking. I think that's, yeah, if you're in the festival, that's, that's uh can sign up to, to come along to that. So Cool. That's been, really ladies, ladies and gentlemen, that's been Adventure Nick. Um, she's on a mission, and you should get on a mission. Um, next on the uh, Eagle podcast, um, this is a one. Uh, one ton on tap. Someone's converted an old army Land Rover into a mobile beer factory. Um, so he's got a really great Instagram page. Um, it's cool how he's changed an old sort of military vehicle into uh, a brewery. And he does to all the festivals, etc., etc. Um, check him out on Instagram. Uh, one ton on tap. Great guy. Uh, again, Nick, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Uh, we'll get this out as soon as we can. And uh, I'll see you on the hills. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. Adios, man. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.